Come on, if you're happy to be in church, can I get an amen? Come on, give me some high five. Slap your neighbor high five. Amen. Good to see you all here in the house of God. Yes, yes. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. I am so glad that you are here, fathers. We love you. Being a father, I totally get it. Every father is different, obviously, but man, I want to tell you, you guys are awesome for showing up today. Uh, Those who come from maybe fatherless homes, I put a post on Facebook. Please read that. I wanted to encourage you that during this time, don't let the devil lie to you and tell you that uh, God is not good because maybe you had a bad father. Look to God to be the answer to where your father was not there for you. And you who are ladies, you can marry a good father, a husband, And those of you who have come from those backgrounds can change the scenario. Maybe you're a young man, you didn't have a good father, you can be a great father. And as a pastor over 20 years, that's what I have seen happen. I have seen generational curses uh, broken, chains broken off of of men and women's lives. They start a whole new generational blessing into their family. And then guess what? Their parents even get saved. I've seen fathers get saved. I've seen mothers get saved. Does anybody know of a mother that just got saved? Because one of her young people, her children got saved. Come on. Billy's mom got saved. He was in the first service and his mom's here. And it keeps on happening. Amen. So happy Father's Day. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 and onward. Today's message is made to praise like always. The notes are on our app or on the website. We're going through a sermon series through the book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you to read your Bible and start with the book of Ephesians this week. If you read your Bible seven days a week like you eat food seven days a week, the Bible says don't live off of bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. If you just read your Bible one time a week, the book of Ephesians, you'd be called up every time you come to church. And then what can you do with the other six days a week? Read Psalms, Proverbs, the Old Testament, Leviticus. You ever read Leviticus? I dare some of you guys to go read that. A revelation, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. If you're there in your Bible, can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's look at it. We're going to go through these verses. It's almost to the end of this mini-series that we've been in. The whole book is called In Him, uh, the, the series called In Him from Ephesians, but we're in a mini-series called 14 Things Paul Was Thankful For, and we're getting through those quickly, so keep on coming. Look at verse 3. Praise be to the what? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Isn't that an awesome encouragement for fathers today? We are to look to God the Father as our example. God the Father sets the example for fathers. And then the Bible says he's a good father. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm. So how many today got a good, good father? How many have God the Father in their lives, every spiritual blessing? Amen. Let's read verse 4 and onward. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Those of you who are new to the book of Ephesians, there you get the series title, In Him. It's a theme all throughout the book of Ephesians, over 20 times, repeated over and over again. It's a book of union, us being in Christ, coming into the Trinity uh, through Jesus. Jesus is the doorway to the Father, and through that we get a relationship with the, through him we get a relationship with the Holy Spirit. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world world to be holy and blameless in his sight. How does God want us to be in his sight? Holy and blameless. How does God see all of his children in his sight? 
Holy and blameless. Can you relate to this, parents? How many of you know before you had a child, especially the men, let me talk to some fathers right here, before you had your own baby, when you looked at baby pictures, they just looked like little aliens, didn't they? And, and you just thought they were gross and disgusting. I can just tell you that's how I looked at kids. But the first moment I saw Bethany Boopster, my oldest, comment, the tears coming down my eyes, you're gorgeous. Because it changes. Why? Because I see my image in her. I see my image in her. God sees his image in you. He loves you. He has a purpose and plan for your life. The devil came to destroy that image. Jesus came to give that image back. Amen. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. We have such a good father that even though when we ran away and made our home at the devil's house, Jesus came to rescue us and take us back and, re and adopt us through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his what? Glorious grace. So we're learning about made to praise today. We've already heard it once. Now we're hearing it a second time. It's a theme as well in the book of Ephesians, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. Look at verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. How many know the will of God is not mysterious to Christians anymore. Those of you who are like, I don't know what God wants me to do. You need to pick up the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth and start getting it because the will has been downloaded. Now you may say, well, should I wear the high heels or the flats? My wife asks me these questions all the time. Now those things of the will of God, he gives you wisdom to figure out on your own. But the big things of your life, he wants to speak through his word. And even through those little things, he'll lead you by the spirit. Can I get an amen? If the Lord helps you in fashion. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, let the Lord help you in fashion. I want to be nice. <laughs> I caught myself right there, and I'm like, that's probably not appropriate. Somebody might think I'm making fun of them. But we need help in everything we do by God's grace. To be put into effect, meaning the fullness of God's will, will be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Today, with my children in the car, I prayed to our Father with them. We sung it today as well. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're believing for the kingdom of God to invade this earth one day. First, it invades the hearts. Next, it invades the land. Can I get an amen? for that. Come on, help me preach. Thank you. That's the best gift you can give to me on Father's Day, by the way, is help me preach somebody. Just say amen a lot, and I'll feel good. I'll be like, I did a good job today. I'm awesome. Anyways, uh, I told my kids, you know, literally, if you want to know what it's like to be in a pastor's house, this is what I told my kids today. The best get, gift you guys can give me is don't get a timeout and have to uh, get a spanking when you get home. Because timeouts in the back for Sunday school will result in my children getting spankings at home. And they're in two services, so pray for them. Amen. Just stretch your hands back there, Lord. Touch those pastors' kids. Touch them, Jesus. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out just the good things in our lives 
to the conformity, the purpose of his will. Is that what it says? How many things does he work out? Everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. We learned about that last week, didn't we? Now, verse 12 is our sermon today, verse by verse through this book. Let's read verse 12 together. One, two, three. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. That's today's message. You were made to praise. That's what you were made for. Verse 13, and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance unto the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Can I get one more amen? Amen. Amen. Let us not tire of hearing the word of God. We will be taking this passage, uh, this book on verse by verse by verse in passages, and you have been a wonderful congregation learning this passage. Most of you could probably fill in the blanks, maybe not memorize the whole thing, but if I just did what we do as teaching, um, as what we call pedagogy, as a learning uh, experiment or a learning exercise, rather, if I took that passage maybe next week and just removed some words, I think some of you would be able to fill them in. I, I think you would. Do you think some of you could? Because, you, I mean, literally, you've heard it about ten times now. I hope that you could. And some of you have probably already committed some of it to memory, and I want to encourage you to keep doing that. Here are the 14 things, like I said, Paul was thankful for. We've already gone through a bunch of them. You can go back and listen to them all online. Last week, we learned about God's plan and all things working together for our good in Christ Jesus. Today, we're going to learn about made to praise for God's glory. What are we going to talk about next week? The gospel, amen. So please bring someone that's never heard the gospel. Let's fill in these side sections and let's blow it up, amen. Let's win some souls for Jesus. And then you can see the remaining ones that we have left. And if you want to skip ahead, which is really cool, read the next passage of Ephesians. It's Paul's prayer. Paul's prayer comes next in verse 15. And then we'll be going through that. Now here's some definitions that we have today. And then I want to really get your heart because... This is going to be more caught than taught. Made to praise is the sermon here. And those key words that we just learned about in that context was hope, praise, and glory. So look up here. I want to give you the definitions. A lot of us know we need hope. Politicians try to bring us hope. But only God can fulfill the promises he makes and gives us true hope. Hope is an expectation for something good to come to pass. So we are hoping in the things to come that we have not yet seen. And if we don't... Don't live with hope. We'll live with discouragement and depression, and we'll think that this is all that there is. Now, listen to me. There are troubles here. God said that there are troubles, but he promised us hope beyond the scope of human limitation and all of our problems. He doesn't want us to just get discouraged when we lose our job and give up and quit. He doesn't want us to get discouraged when we get sick. He wants us to have hope beyond the scope of sickness, beyond the scope of losing a job, beyond all that we see here, and then here's the promise God gives us. His hope or hope in him does not disappoint. You will not be disappointed hoping in God. In our first service, we have a dear sister in the church. She's a deacon and a leader here. She had to go into surgery to have things removed for cancer in her thyroid. She was believing that it would be taken care of. She goes back to the doctor. They say it has spread the worst possible news we could get, right? That's the, what you would, you would fear hearing something like that. She's a mother of two beautiful children. And she came to the altar, and we prayed for her and encouraged her. And I could see that she had hope beyond the scope of cancer. And then we began to talk 
talk and testify. And I told her about my dad's sister, my aunt, who was in hospice, dying of cancer. All the treatment had failed. And yet on her hospital bed or in the hospice bed, she kept saying, God is my healer. God is my healer. When I went in there, she said that she was praying for me and asking God to bless my family. This just blew my mind that here she's dying of cancer, and yet she prays for me. And I learned something when I was there because I didn't quite understand hope. I thought hope was always something that was realistic, that you could maybe manufacture yourself. Like, say you're going to go for, for a job interview. I hope I get it. Well, you know, you got to put in a lot of hard work. you got to do a good resume, have a good uh, presentation. And so the hope is always kind of built on something we think about. But here I saw a woman dying, and yet she had hope, and there wasn't one thing she could do to change her situation. It would seem to be hopeless, yet she had hope. Anybody listening to me? And then I said to the Lord, I said, God, is it, is it fair for her to keep saying she's healed? Maybe at this point she should just probably say, it's over, I'm sick, it's time to die. But then the Lord told it to me like this, and she eventually did die. But every time I would go in, she would say she was healed. And the Lord gave it to me like this, and a little bit of my imagination. He said it to me like this, that she said, I'm healed. And the devil would say, no, you're not, look at your body. And God said, yes, you are. And then the doctors would say, no, you're not. Look at your body. we got to keep giving you morphine. But she kept saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. And out of her mouth, she would say it. And the Lord told me one time she said it, and it wasn't with her mouth. It was with her spirit. And he said to her face to face, yes, you are. Because she crossed from this life to the next. See, we have to understand there's a hope beyond the scope of our human limitation. When I pray for you to be healed, whether it happens in this life or the life to come, you are what God says you are. God doesn't see time the way we do. Linear, past, present, future. He holds it in his hand called time, and he looks at it, and what he says is true. What he says is true, and it lasts longer than 80 years or 90 years. Believe what God said about you. Amen? Praise is the name of the message. It's the name of this church. In the Bible, it says that he will make a city, a place of praise in Jeremiah that will be of renown and a testimony to all the nations. That is the new Jerusalem city coming down out of heaven in the kingdom to come. Our church is named after the new Jerusalem, believing that until that time, every city can be a city of praise across the nations. Do I have a church here today that believes in Metro Praise International? Come on. And what it means to praise is to approve, exalt, and admire. And so I want to tell you, God wants to know, will you approve of the plan he has for your life even when you don't like it? Will you approve and say, gracias, Señor, well done, and Jesus Cristo, I love you, Jesus, even at a funeral? Will you exalt him above the problems of your life and say, God, I'm not going to stay down here with the chickens. I'm going to soar on the winds of eagles, and I'm going to believe you over everything I face. I exalt you above cancer. I exalt you above the problems of my city. I praise you in the face of poverty. I give you the best. And I not only approve and exalt you, but I admire you. I trust you. Because, God, you had a choice when it came to angels, and you said, angels, don't get another chance. I guarantee you right now, fallen angels that have become demonic spirits would say, I'll trade 80 years of any suffering to get out of eternity in hell. 
They'll say, I'll trade a place with the worst sufferer of humanity. They would say, a demonic spirit would say to you, I will trade the place with someone in Auschwitz and suffer 80 years under a Nazi Germany if I can get one more chance at God's grace. You see, when God created us and we sinned, we didn't deserve a second chance. He could have said right there, it's over for the human race. So I admire God and I give him praise that he gave the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve a second chance. And I'm talking about somebody else in here other than me, but I know some of y'all can relate to this. I'm not just praising him for second chances today. I'm praising him for 420th chances. I'm praising him that he didn't give up on me after 18 years. So I want to give God a praise. I want to give him approval, exaltation, and admiration. I want to say, God, you are the best. Bravo, King of Kings. And then what does glory mean? Glory means honor achieved uh, and given by great achievements. Now, you might think to yourself, this is self-serving of God to, to show off among his creation and then us just applaud him. But you don't understand. God did not have to come. Jesus did not have to take on flesh. We could have been left into our own sin and our own demise. But when Jesus came in the flesh so that he could die on the cross, that should get you to stand to your feet and to give him honor and glory more than you would ever do a singer, a president, or a sports player. Are you listening? Because we say glory to God for sending Jesus for me and achieving salvation. He didn't send an angel to die on his behalf. He didn't keep starting and stopping human history because he could have said, Adam and Eve, you failed. I'm not coming down to save you, so delete. You go to hell. Let's go to the next one. Let's go to the next one. No, he said the human race will be saved and redeemed, but it will cost me everything. I will leave my glory in heaven, take on flesh, let my own creation crucify me. Isn't he worthy of glory? God is not selfish, but God is the greatest of all conceivable beings, all loving, all powerful, all knowing, everywhere, and yet he cares about us. What does the psalmist say? God, what is man that you are mindful of him, that son of man that you care for him? God cares for us, and he's a good heavenly father, amen? And so he wants us to have hope. He wants us to praise him, and he wants us to give him glory, not just because he deserves it. He already had that with angels, remember? Angels were created first, then us. But he wants us to do it in a loving relationship. That's why you were made. Somebody say, bring me to the introduction. Amen. That was the intro before the intro. Let me bring you to my intro. I normally don't read them, but this is so succinct, and I think it will help us if you follow along with me here. Because I want to ask you that question, do you know what you were made for? Somebody here might say, well, I was made to get married and have a family. No, you weren't. You were made for more than that. Some people say, well, I was just made to have sex and reproduce the human race. I believe in evolution, survival of the fittest. No, you weren't. You were made for more than that. Somebody might say, well, I was made to gain power, prestige, uh, education. No, you were made for more than that. Because you were made by God, you better check with him to ask him why he made you. So let's go back in our minds to the Garden of Eden. Did he create us first to have dominion over the world? No. To have a job? No. Did he create us first to have sex and reproduce and make babies, be mothers and fathers? No. He first created us 
for relationship with him and for us to praise and give him glory and honor. He made us in his image to have free will so that we could choose him. But sadly, we replaced our praise and our glory to God in that garden. We replaced it with our own selfish desires. And so now what happens when you replace something's purpose with something else? That new thing, that substitute purpose becomes destructive to the very thing that had an original purpose. Use the hammer as an example and uh, the, the, the saw. If you tried to use a saw to hammer in nails, do you think it would work well? Now, just imagine like one of those old saws you would go like this, has the sharp teeth at the bottom. It's very thin. Imagine you hold it like this, and you got the nail, and you're holding it with your hand, and you're trying to hit it. How do you think that would go for you? It would probably hurt your, your fingers, destroy the saw, not do anything for the nail. And now look, at, look around at the world you live in. How's it going for people right now? How's it going for our government right now? How's it going for our culture? How's it going for the city? Does it look like, everybody look up at me please, does it look like in your culture people are fulfilling their purpose as a hammer is to a nail? Or do you, does it look like in our culture that people have a wrong purpose and it looks like they're trying to hammer in nails with a saw? Hurting themselves in the process and accomplishing nothing really good overall. And that's why you have to go back to the beginning. Why did God create us? He, he created us for his glory. For his glory. He created us to praise him and to bring him honor. Look at C.S. Lewis and what he said. He's my favorite philosopher. He said, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. People who tell me sex makes them happy hasn't had enough sex yet. People who tell me money makes them happy haven't had enough money yet. People who tell me my kids make me happy haven't had enough kids yet. Are you listening? Somebody that says I, my job makes me happy hasn't, hasn't worked enough yet. What you will find out is that anything you replace with God becomes an idol in your life and it's darkness. If I replace my wife, if I replace God with my wife, she will not satisfy me. Because if marriages make you happy, why do so many people have divorce and why are so many married people miserable? If I replace, my if I replace God with my children, my children will make me miserable. If I replace my job, I keep saying it backwards, but if I replace God with my job, you understand what I'm trying to say, I will be miserable on my job. How many people do you think in this world have replaced God with something else and are now living in misery? And then you know what the sad thing is? They now blame God for the misery. Well, God, why did you make me this way? Why does nothing ever work out? I remember hanging out with my teenage friends when we were in high school, smoking dope and getting high, and I was a sinner just on my way to hell. But I remember having a profound moment with one of the young men. He had a bracelet that his girlfriend had given to him, and they had broken up, but he still loved her, and he kept the bracelet on. And eventually it wore out, and while I was with him, it broke and fell off. And I remember in this party atmosphere, there was a solemn moment, and I caught a revelation of life as the young man picked up the bracelet from the ground, looked at it, and said, why does everything in life that I love break? Have you ever thought about that? You may say, I'll never stop loving my kids. Oh, yes, you will. The day you're six feet under turned to dust, you won't love them anymore. They'll show up to a grave of dirt and a stone and talk to it as if it was you, but you're not there. Don't fool yourself. 
You are not their savior. Parents are not our savior. Grandparents, governments are not our savior. You were made for a world beyond this world. You are made of spiritual substance and a physical body, and you better know what happens with your spirit when the body dies because the spirit lives on. And what C.S. Lewis is reminding us here is the same thing that Paul was talking about when he said those verses, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Where is Paul while he's writing these verses? Is he at the spa? Is he at the Cubs World Series game living it up with his friends? He's in jail. He's in jail, and he says, I'm going to exalt God above my jail cell. I'm going to admire God's plan, even though sometimes it hurts. I'm going to exalt him because he knew he was made for praise. He knew his purpose wasn't just in a family, wasn't just in a job, wasn't just in his physical body and his looks and his selfies, wasn't in approval of men. He knew his first and primary purpose was to praise God. And you could put his body in a cell, but his spirit was in heavenly places, blessed in Christ. Are you listening? Now, does that mean the world doesn't matter? No, it does matter. But it's now revolving around the center. It is, I ride my bikes all the time, and what moves the spokes is the gears in the middle. What moves my family? Praise for God and glory to God. What moves my job? The glory of God. What moves me to do what I do in life? The praise and the glory of God. That's what should move you. That's the gears that turns your life. That's how you can go through trouble in your marriage. And when everybody else is getting a divorce, you stick together. Why? Because sex is not your glue. The house and the job is not your glue. Children aren't your glue. What your glue is is God. And he said, when I join together, let no one tear asunder. Make God the center of your life, and he will move you down his paths of righteousness. When you see your purpose is to praise and bring God glory, the rest of the world comes into order. Doesn't mean it always works the way you think it's supposed to work, but you trust the God who's turning the gears. So even if I'm in prison, God is still in control. Praise be to God. Even if I'm at the hospital, God's in control. Praise be to God. On the good days and the bad days, can I hear an amen? When we look at the book of Ephesians, we see that the praise of God is, is, is throughout the whole book. We've just read the first passages here, but look at verse 3. That's the beginning of the book. And then verse 6, verse 12, the ones that we've already read, he goes on into verse 14. But he also goes on to verse 3 through 20. Look at uh, chapter 3, 20 and onward. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be what? Come on, to him be what? Help a preacher preach on Father's Day. To him be glory. Where? In the church. Where are you at today, y'all? In the church and in Christ Jesus throughout how many generations? All generations. Paul's writing this 2,000 years ago. And he says, now to him who is able to do more than what I could ever ask, think, or imagine according to his power that's within me, let's give him glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever in God's people said... Amen. Ephesians 5, 18 through 20 says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. 
Bible says you can drink in moderation, fathers, but the stupidest thing to do today is to celebrate and get drunk in front of your family. Can I hear an amen? If you're going to drink, drink in moderation. Drink as if Jesus was at the wedding with you. Come on, somebody. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, do what? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Can never have too much of that. Never too much of that. Speaking to one another with what? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what this reminds me of? Can I be real with you as a father, tying it into Father's Day? This reminds me of a Disney movie. Did you catch what it just said? I think some of you read by it too fast. It says, speaking to one another with psalms, (laughs) hymns. Praise God, my brother. I want to sing a song to you right now. Have you ever heard that on your job? Have you ever heard that at school? Somebody run up to you? But where do you see that? In Disney movies, creatures run up to each other, talking to each other, singing to each other. Has Paul lost his mind? Paul, we live in the real world. We're not in some cartoon. But you want me to sing to my brother? You literally want me to sing to him. Yes, I want you to sing to him. I started trying this, and it was awkward at first. But it actually does something. I'll explain some of those things that singing does, but I want to tell you how I began to do this. God told me to learn and memorize hymns, so I've learned a bunch of them. They're easy. They're poetic. They're just like the Bible says, psalms, hymns, right? Memorize them. I'm going to be talking to somebody on the phone. Now, of course, it's easier for me as a pastor. I understand that because most of the time people talking to me are talking about God, but still, that doesn't make it any easier to say this at the end of the conversation. Might I sing a song to you now? No, really, the Lord told me to do this. You may think I'm goofier than I really am, but I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a crazy guy. But no, literally, the Lord said, now sing him a song. And so I, uh, I was talking to somebody, and uh, they were telling me about their problems. And I said, man, I'm going to pray for you. And I just felt the Lord go, don't just pray, sing him a song. And I'm on the phone, and I'm like, that is not God speaking to me right now. I am not going to sing a song to this dude over the phone. And literally the Lord just, no, you're not getting away with just praying to him. You are going to sing to him. And then literally I said to him, can I just sing this song to you right now? And he goes, sure, why not? And I go, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him evermore. And I just started singing the song to him. This dude, I didn't hear a response from him for about like 30 seconds. And I'm thinking, like, he has just held the phone away. He's like, this guy's singing. And you know I don't have a singing voice. You know, maybe I could sing like, it's a beautiful world. You know, I see sunshine. I don't even know who is that guy. What's his name? Who's the guy who sings that song like that? Louis Armstrong. I see something. You know, whatever. But anyways... That's how I feel like I, I saw like a WWF wrestler, like snap into a Slim Jim, you know. Let me sing you a song. I'll sing you a song, trust in Jesus, brother. Dude, he's crying. Pastor, that just touched my heart, man. I just needed to hear that. And my wife is a witness. Do you not hear me singing songs to people on the phone? And now she's a part of it. Now we like we sing a little harmony. No, I'm kidding, but we... <laughs> We were just, the, the woman with cancer, we were at her house hanging out, and then we sang a song. This is what we need to learn to do with our children. 
Come on, fathers. We need to teach our children the songs of Zion, the songs of God. We need to literally sing songs to each other. We need to sing the poetry of heaven. We need to have thanksgiving on our hearts. I want to give you some reasons to why you need to do that. Come on, somebody say, I was made to praise. Amen. Here's four ways in closing that God says you can give him praise and glory. And only the last one is singing, okay? So track with me here. In Ephesians 1 through 6, it says that you are supposed to accept the grace of God, and that gives God praise and glory. So number one, how do you give God praise and glorify his name? By accepting his grace. By stop walking around as a sinner saying, man, I'm just a sinner. It's the way I was born. It's the way it's always going to be. No, accept God's grace, and that gives him praise. He doesn't like to see you muddy and dirty and sin. He wants to clean you up, be blameless and holy. The next thing is live in hope. God gets praise when we live in hope. God does not get praise when we talk down on the plan he has for our lives. When we trust him, we give him praise. When Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted him before they went into the fiery furnace, that was praise to God. When Daniel did what the king told him not to do, which was pray, and he kept praying, that was praise to God. He had hope even as he went to that lion's den. When we have hope in this world, literally it is praise to God. And then thirdly here, when we believe God for great things, when we actually we take him at his word that he can do more than we could ever think, ask, or imagine, that gives praise to God. He says those who have faith like a child honor him. Sometimes we think to ourselves, oh, I'm so much above that. I'm just a realist. I, I, I can't have faith. That's not, that's make-believe. No, God loves it when we dream dreams with him. He loves it when we believe for the audacious things, the things that are impossible with us. God gets praise out of that. And then the last thing, obviously, God gets praise when we praise him with music. But did you notice that the first three things had nothing to do with music? We praise God when we accept his grace, live in his hope, and believe him for great things. But how many want to praise God with song and music? Amen? Some of you ain't clapping your hands, but you're about ready to do it anyway. Okay? Or it's going to be awkward for you, not for us, because it's going to get really cool in just a moment. So hang on. This is going to be a unique end to this service. Now right about here, because it is Father's Day, tying it again. You know, so I'm doing that. A lot of men go, man, come on, Pastor, I don't sing. Maybe in church I'll just mumble a little bit. I'll do a little karaoke. But you know, Pastor, men don't sing like that. We're not, we're not like, you know, these little fans or Justin Bieber or whatever. You know, we're dudes. We don't sing. I want every man to look up at me right now. I will prove every man a liar right now that thinks they don't sing. Because I guarantee you, I take every man right here on a beautiful day, right to their favorite ballpark, and they hear this. What are they going to Take me out to the... You got every dude singing. Come on. Take me out to the... Every dude sings then. Every... I don't care if the dude's got a beard, weighs 300 pounds. I don't care if he came in on a Harley. Dudes, you sing. Stop lying. All of us sing. Girls, you know you sing. Everybody sings. Now, here's the deal. We judge each other by our sound of how well we sing. You know, the sound of it. That's not what God's looking for. God is looking for the praise of the heart. He is not looking for a key. Now, thank God there's talented musicians that lead us in singing. Same thing in the Bible. There was talented musicians. But did you know that singing was all the time without music? The Bible says at the Last Supper, they sang hymns with Jesus. I guarantee you nobody was nudging Jesus going, Jesus, you're off key and it's really throwing me off. I'm not really feeling the presence of, of you here right now. Like, this is what, Jesus, I'm not feeling this. Like, come on, let's go get Judas again. He was our singer. Go get him. Give him the guitar. 
I'm not saying like, well, you, I don't even want to go anywhere from there, but I love musicians. Amen. Let me just say that. I got musicians mad at me, people who can't sing mad at me. I don't know what I'm even saying. Lord, bring me back to the heart of worship. This is my point. If you were sitting with Jesus at the Last Supper and he just started busting out a song, you know, you would start singing with Jesus. How many think you would feel the presence of the Lord singing with Jesus in your presence? So is it really about the music? Is it really about how well we do this, the strumming of the guitar and all of that? No, it's really not. It's great when we do it well, but it's not about that. Here's something that I think is really cool, and you guys should look into this. I got the source at the bottom. But wouldn't it be just like God to put benefits in, into his commands? Like meaning when you do things that God commands, things go well with you in life? How many think that's cool? Like when you stay married to the same woman, you live longer. How many know they've done surveys on that, guys? How about like this? When women put first, put first God in their life and they go to church, you know what? They, they actually did this. They tested them. They have better sex lives. They tested nurses and asked them about their faith, and the Christian nurses had better sex lives. I can't even look at you guys. I'm just moving on to the next point. Those who bring their children to church get better grades. These are real surveys, real surveys. I'll show them to you. Please test me and say you don't believe me, and I will show you the crazy sex survey too. I'm telling you. They have interviewed people and asked them all about their life, and it comes out to be church-going people, Christian-going people have better in every area of their life. God blesses us according to following his commands. His word is true. His word is true. And guess what? There are blessings with singing. Singing strengthens the immune system. Singing is a workout. Singing improves your posture. Singing actually helps with sleep. Singing is a natural antidepressant. Singing lowers stress levels. Singing improves mental alertness. Singing broadens your communication skills because you have to learn to properly pronounce the words. You say, Pastor, where do you get these silly links from? I double dog dare you to look at it. Singing strengthens the immune system. According to research conducted at the University of Frankfurt, singing boosts the immune system. The study concluded testing professional choir members' blood before and after. Come on, somebody. Do you believe this pastor up here? I'm not lying to you. I have no reason to lie to you. This is the word of God, and it blesses you. Let's put it this way. The things we do for our children are still good for us. We sing to our children to help brain development, to teach them to calm their spirit, to teach them to hear the words and to properly communicate. My friends, you need all of that in your life. God not only asked you to do it, he commanded you to do it. That's your purpose. Literally, you get to the end of the book, Revelation. How many have read the end of the book before? What are we doing there? Singing, praising, living for the glory of God, whistling while we work. Come on. Some of you are like, you don't understand my job, Pastor. There's nothing to whistle about there. Then whistle even more. Whistle even more. Let not the world steal your song from you, dear brother or sister. Have a song in your heart that the world can't take from you. Can I give you a story that might make you feel a little guilty now about thinking your life's so hard that you can't sing? Can I tell you one? Richard Wombrandt was in Siberia locked up for his Christian faith. They stripped him naked, put him in solitary confinement. Rather, this is Richard Wombrandt's story of a brother in Siberia. Richard Wombrandt was locked up in Romania, get tortured for Christ, free at Voices of the Martyr. These are bracelets that we remember our Christian brothers and sisters with. 
He tells the story of the one in Siberia, rather, in the Russian communist regime where Christianity was illegal. They stripped him naked. They stood him up to his feet, and they would not let him stop moving. They put him in a circle, said, you have to walk in a circle. When he would get tired and start to slump over, they would throw cold water on him. He says the only thing that kept his sanity was singing songs that he had learned in church to himself. I wonder how many of you would, bro would break because Christianity to you is not a song in your heart, but it's a pew you sit on. I wonder how many of you would be quick to deny Christ because now Christ doesn't give you a mansion. He takes your house because being a Christian costs you something. Come on, somebody. But I wonder how many of you in the deepest, darkest times of your life would have a song raised up on the inside of you and you would start to find peace and hope in Jesus. I don't know if anybody watched the, the, watched the movie about Martin Luther King Jr. It's the... Uh, it's the one about the bridge where they have to protest there. What was the name of Salma, thank you. Anybody remember in the middle of the night, he was having anxiety and depression. He called up the woman and he said, sing to me, sister. I need to hear a song of Zion. I wonder if there's anybody here that has a song of Zion in their heart. Can I hear an amen? Would you stand to your, your feet and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on. All right. You ready to put into practice what you learned? Okay, I'm going to ask Adam to come up on this side right here for me, please. I'm then going to ask that Ulysses, one of our Bible college students, would come on this side. We're going to sing, we're going to sing and see what sides of the room can sing the best for Jesus. Would you put up amazing grace, please? Adam, would you lead this side and this side only in amazing grace? Go for it. Come on, sing like you mean it. That saved a wretch like me. Come on, sing it out. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Thank you, Lord. I was blind. Woo! Give it up this side of the room. Come on. Can this side of the room sing louder than them? Your turn, Yuli. Go for it. Come on. I think it's about tie. You might have had him, Adam. You might have had him. Sounds good, though. Come on. I once was lost. But. Now I'm found. Yes, Lord. Come on, let's all sing it out. Y'all ready? I see. Everybody together, come on, amazing grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Woo, I once, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now. Come on, give it up for Jesus. Can't nobody 
Do me like Jesus. Y'all, 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 no, no, y'all ain't clapping right. Get them on pace, baby. Keep it, keep it. Can't nobody, can't nobody do me like Jesus, can't nobody do me like the Lord, can't nobody do me like Jesus, he's, okay, this side, just this side, y'all keep clapping though, come on. Y'all better sing louder than that. Come on, sing. Keep clapping, though. No, but. There you go. Can't. Do me like. Can't. Do me like Jesus. He's. Give it up for Jesus. Come on. We love you, Lord. Now, watch this before we go. Altar workers, come, please. I want you guys to think about this. What we did is just sing a cappella. I double dog dare some of y'all do that with your kids tonight. Fathers, get around the table, teach them a simple song, get their hands clapping. Watch how fast they start to smile. And watch how you start to smile. And next time you find yourself in a situation that isn't so easy, start to learn songs that give you the hope that God promised. Because some of you, let's take for example, you're dealing with sin in your heart, and you've asked God to forgive you, and you're like, I know he forgave me, but I don't really feel like it. I challenge you at that moment to sing, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? What can make me whole again? Nothing but, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. Oh, precious is the Listen to what you sing right now. That makes me white as snow. No other fountain. No, nothing but, nothing but Jesus. How many believe if you were going through a time about feeling guilty of sin, how many know that song would lift up your spirit? And the, and, the, and, the, and the old timers used to say, when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Now, once again, I know dudes, you're like, man, I don't know. I'm not always at a ballpark where I don't feel sad songs or whatever. But listen, what about battle songs? What about getting real with Jesus? What about, give me that clap again. Woo! And I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army. When I die, when I die, let me die fighting for the Lord. When I die, let me die fighting for the Lord. When I die, let me die fighting for the Lord. I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Lord, give it up for Jesus. Come on. You have no idea how often I've had to do that for myself. 
to do that for myself. How about epic? I'm talking for me. Last time I was a part of something epic, it was Ricky and I. We were in the Bahamas. We were just on these jet skis. We were just spraying that water going everywhere, you know, having fun, looking at the beautiful sky, looking at the clear water. And you know what I just started to sing? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him all creatures here below. Hi, little fishy. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy so you give God that right back. Man, I was literally motivated to sing that on that jet ski. What about the times when you're at a point of decision and you don't know what to do? You may not know this one, but this is another one. Be thou my wisdom, O Lord of my heart. <laughs> my, this slipped my mind. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I'm confusing two lines. I'm confusing them. Give me just a second. I don't want to mess it up. I've got so many in my head. <laughs> Be thou my true word. I ever with thee and, I, and thou with me, Lord. Here we go. No, I'm just going to look it up so I don't mess it up again. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord. Be thou my vision. Some of these songs will bring you through the terrors of this world. Come on. They'll encourage you when you feel down. I, I care enough about you to make a fool out of myself, right? I mean, the sense of the world. I can't sing, but I don't care. I'll let you see me how I get through my hard times. I don't get through my hard times with my degrees. I don't get through my hard times preaching like this with a microphone. I get through my hard times looking back here. Be thou my wisdom. Be thou my true word. I ever with thee. I ever with thee thee and thou with me and thou with me lord thou my great father thou my great father and i thy true son thou in me dwelling and i with thee one oh the lyrics came up there that's awesome we actually got that. I forgot those technology things work like that. Could have saved myself sweating a whole lot up here. Just got super hot right there. That will embarrass me more than anything, singing the wrong thing or sometimes preaching the wrong thing. Last week I said two plus two equals five, at least like five times. Anybody remember that? I said it so many times. I was listening to myself, and I'm like, dear God, I wish someone would just walked up to me and whispered in my ear, you are not doing math right right now. You are preaching really good, but your math is terrible. Would you now play something soft as we end out? Let's just close our eyes in prayer and give God the praise of our hearts right now, maybe just through surrender, uh, having hope. We don't have to do singing right now again, but before we go, some of those other things, receiving God's grace, having hope, believing for big things to come to pass. Would you give him praise like that right now? If you're in continual sin, say, Lord, forgive me. I want to get off the, the rat race of sin here, the gerbil wheel of sin. I want to stop going around on the merry-go-round. Change me. Transform me. 
If you're in a hopeless situation, say, God, I put my hope in you. You know the report that I've been given. You know the news that I've been given is bad, but I'm, I'm going to put hope in you. Give me, give me courage, God. And then for some of you right now, you just want to believe God for big things. I double-dog dare you to say three things by faith right now. I will see my children serve the Lord. I will get a promotion. I will start a life group in my house. I will uh, be reconciled with my enemies or people who don't like me. Something courageous. I will reach these goals in Jesus' name. Lord, we were made to praise you. May we never forgive it, forget it and live for you all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, if you believe it, can we give him praise one more time? That's all praise. Amen. God bless you. Slap your neighbor high five and say, get your praise on. You know what we're going to do. We're going to keep praising, but you're dismissed. You can stay for the after party if you'd like. Otherwise, fathers, get your pictures taken. Please, in the lobby. Otherwise, we'll see you in life groups. Have a great week. Let's your sing it out, band. Come. Your kingdom come. Come up for prayer if you need any prayer today. Please, we love you. We want to see the kingdom of God come. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We we'll sing it again. Your time your kingdom come your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven oh every voice your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven we'll sing this part I will be I will be here Come on, how many of you going to be right waiting here waiting for Jesus? Me. You don't know when your life's going to end or when he comes back, but you can say, I'll be waiting, praising you, Jesus. Nothing's going to take my praise, Lord. I'll be waiting. You're worth it, God. You're worth all the hardships that we face, all the discouragement, all the things people do against us. I will I'm going to be right here, Lord, praising you, waiting. waiting.
As we prepare to put up the video worship, just sing it out. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Just a few more times before we conclude the after party. Because I want to make sure that y'all get this. I want to make sure I get this. Jesus, your kingdom, it's about you. It's never been about me and my plan. So why would I think it is now when things go wrong? I trust you. One more time, singing with the heart of trust. I'm doing it today with you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Today, as we get ready to dismiss the after party, may we remember that. And those who need to still pray and hang out, please do so. But it's all about his kingdom. Things may be wrong in our minds, but it's right on time for him. And even if sin happens, it still can be used for God's good if we truly repent and seek after him. If you're here with me in the after party, can you just put your hand over your heart and say, God, I will seek you first, your kingdom, your righteousness, all the days of my life. Amen, after party. Enjoy your time of fellowship today. Make sure you get those pictures. We're going to keep praying. Let us know if we can help you in any way. Thank you, brothers. Thank you, fathers. We love you.